All right, guys, welcome back to the Inting Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. If you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ash, uh, aka Spicy Pyro, and I do casting for Valorant. Awesome. Okay, I'll start it off. So, like, with casting, what do you think is, like, the hardest part about it? The hardest part about casting? Um, you have to be really dedicated to improving. I think that's something that a lot of viewers don't realize is the amount of work that goes into it. Um, you're always going to get criticism from people in chat. Uh, what I, I like, I attended the uh, VCT Game Changers caster training program um, partnered with Ryzen Riot Games back in October, and I had the pleasure of meeting a lot of seasoned veterans in the industry and learning from them. And I believe it was Van Silly who said that, you know, no feedback in chat is usually the best feedback that you're going to get. And that's because of the fact that uh, casters are really there to elevate the story that the players and the teams are putting on with mm -hmm. their gameplay. And they're not supposed to be like the main attraction of the show. Um, they're just supposed to elevate that. And uh, I think that's that's something that a lot of viewers don't really understand. Um, because it can be... I'm like... I, my brain is kind of all over the place because <laughs> there's so many avenues that I can be like going down with it. But yeah. yeah, when it comes down to it, I mean, that was a piece of really great advice that I got from Vansley. Um, and I think it's one of the hardest things to also overcome from the perspective of being a caster is that you might be looking for that validation from the audience. And the reality is that most of the time you're not going to get it. Uh, people are going to notice the criticisms more than the good things about your performance. Um, and the biggest thing is just really not letting that get to you and kind of having the mental to kind of overcome that, I think is one of the hardest parts. <laughs> always hearing like Twitch chat. Every time the commentators like mess up something, it's always uh, forehead <laughs> casters, forehead casters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And like, it, meanwhile, when you think about it, uh, half the people who are commenting those things probably wouldn't be able to actually go and do what you're doing like on uh, screen. It's a lot. Yeah. It, there's so many layers to it that I think that people don't really realize. No, yeah. casting, casting is incredibly difficult. I see that and I'm like, how are you guys able to talk for four hours? I can't do that. Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. Like me and my friend, we casted like one of our friends tournaments and like like four games in a row by like game three, we were like out of energy, like sitting there. So you guys like take like, like shots and shots of a uh, Red Bull and like some <laughs> shots just beforehand? Or are you guys like, all right, we're just going to get this over with? Uh, I think it depends on the person. Like, I know I personally don't drink caffeine too frequently. I used to be a little bit addicted to coffee. So I've had to like cold stop thick, like cold turkey. But since getting into casting, I've started drinking coffee like every <laughs> once in a while now to keep my energy up. If I had like mm -hmm. a long night the day before and I had to ha like have energy for like the upcoming cast, but like Gompers, for example, the the lovely lady that I usually duo with, um, she's a ball of energy and she actually cannot drink caffeine due to a health condition. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's interesting um, considering the fact that like you kind of just build up the endurance over time, I think. And a lot of casters also have, uh, not everybody obviously has the same personality. The personality is very tremendously throughout talent and whatnot. But uh, a lot of us, I think, naturally like talking. Um, and I think that definitely helps with the profession. 
So when it comes to that, then what's the easiest part? Do you, do you, so when you guys come into casting, for example, Valorant, it has like, of course, not unlike CS:GO, it's uh, it's like you have to know the ability names. I main chamber, and I still don't know half his Qtel's names. Do you have like a yeah. spreadsheet in front of you, or do you just remember from the top of your head? Um, I remember off the top of my head personally. Uh, I've wow, that, but that's <laughs> because like I personally have like a a good memory. Um. I've always, I don't know, like I was that kid in school who like studied off of flashcards and stuff like that. Mm. So I can pick those kinds of things up pretty easily. And when you cast, uh, when you cast over a longer period of time as well, you really familiarize yourself with the game and the terminology. Um, So that kind of becomes second nature. But I remember like first starting out, I was talking to Mimi A. Evil Cat and what she does, uh, regardless of if it's like ability names or if like, she needs like particular references to uh, maybe the team or any information. She puts sticky notes like at the bottom and on the sides of her monitor and whatnot. So if you have more trouble remembering things, you can either have a spreadsheet up or uh, most casters have a notebook as well. Mm. So I, that's a pretty easy way to kind of like refer refer back to those things. But for the most part, I think I have the ability is memorized. And yeah. if I don't have it memorized, I put like the effort into trying to memorize it ahead of time. Do you say the ability name when you're playing ranked? Or do you just say, all right, like if your sky is like, all right, I'm flashing, all right, I'm dogging in. Like, do you actually say the ability <laughs> name sometimes? Um, I go back and forth and it's really confusing to a lot of my friends. Uh, like, <laughs> we've been running custom games really frequently lately um, and doing like 10 mans and stuff. And I've been saying things like, okay, I'm going to throw out my guiding light. And everyone's like, what the hell? <laughs> But it's like the sky flash, right? But yeah. um, so I will sometimes slip up and say like the it's not the even a slip name. up, I guess, yeah. but like I'll say the proper term and people yeah. have to clarify sometimes for people. That's yeah. <laughs> now, do you do you play the game a lot? Because like some of the casters, especially like in VCT, you could kind of like tell that some of them don't play the game. Like they say things and you're just like, doesn't make any sense. Like if you n- knew what was going on probably wouldn't have said like how often do you yourself play the game um okay i was a valorant addict uh i would say okay let me rewind the game came out in beta i got beta access i was lucky enough to get one of those access Mm -hmm. codes pretty early on i played it once with my friends who came from cs and i was like i'm never touching this game like ever again and then I gave it another shot with them another time, and I totally fell in love with it. I'm a very competitive person by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was grinding Valorant for a while. And then the past few months, I would say I did not play it as much. I just didn't have the time with uh, needing to work and uh, focusing on casting and doing a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I fell off of that. But right now I'm trying to get back into it because I used to do like in the lower leagues, I would compete in like Gallerance tournaments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, our team actually won, I think, one of the earlier Gallerance like lower league tournaments. Oh, um, uh, thanks. It, I mean, it's, really, it's no big deal at all. But like, so I used to grind this game. I would like practice and whatnot, and I was really trying to get better. But with time constraints and life and adulting, it kind of fell off. But I'm definitely trying to get back into it more because I'd like to take streaming more seriously once again. I used to tr- stream like pretty frequently. Um, 
So I'm trying to get back into it because I think that playing the game, even though you can study it as much as you possibly want, you can learn, um, you know, the importance of like macro team play and, uh, you know, the core basics of the game and mechanics and uh, what the metas are and whatnot. Uh, I think, you know, it's one thing to know those things. It's another thing to have game sense, which is where you're actually applying it to the game itself. Um, and not every like casters don't have to be good at the game to be good at their craft or what yeah, they're talking sure. about. Yeah. Like it, that obviously has no correlation, even though some people might think otherwise. Um, I think that, you know, playing the game kind of just helps you continuously stay more updated with what's going on in it. And maybe even like having a better understanding it, like in game decisions that are being made in like within a split second and whatnot. So I think that, um, it definitely elevates it, and I am trying to play it a lot more um, and grind up uh, compared to, like, the past few months because I think it's going to help, like, with my craft, personally. Because okay. I remember the... I don't know if you know uh, Yinsu, uh, one of the cast... Uh, mm -hmm. One of the analysts for VCT. She got, like, a lot of flack for, like... Not flack, but, like, a lot of the people in the community were like, hey, she's silver, why is she casting? It's like, yes, your rank... It, 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 she is might be a, in the, quote-unquote, lower rank, yeah. But does it mean that she doesn't understand the game? Doesn't understand mm -hmm. from an outsider's person? Of course, she's not in the server with them, or, uh, like, or just know the pro, or she wasn't a former pro. Like, it doesn't matter. It's still like you playing the game consistently, understanding and watch. So, I mean, casters a lot watch a lot of games. So you guys are understanding. It's like, hey, maybe this, or some casters actually talk to pros to understand their insight of it. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, we, I mean, uh, last year's VCT, we saw some times where the caster would say something. It's like, what? <laughs> so like it just made confused it's like yeah of course he did that like what do you mean or like he they would get flagged but it's like you don't see it from an outside standpoint because everyone always says oh scoreboard scoreboard he's doing better like when a lot of people gave mm -hmm. psalms a lot of shit because i'm like well he's yeah he's not, he's not a fragger he's he's uh he's a well, i mean i think zoms talks a lot of shit so like, <laughs> i think he gets he gets what he that's a different story for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so overall what made you want to go into casting um ooh it's kind of complicated i guess like i initially started doing casting as a volunteer for fun thing like when i cast my few, first few games for gallerants um it was all volunteer that was like pretty early on in the server i kind of joined the commentator program um to generally learn about it cuz i thought it would be fun i never really did it because I was planning on pursuing a career in casting. So I did a few volunteer gigs here and there, fell off of that. Um, I didn't do it for a while. So I really only had like, like maybe a maximum of five casts under my belt for like in-houses uh, for gallerants. And then in the summer, in August, my friend hosted a tournament and she was looking for casters to come on. Um, you know, to cast over it for fun and whatnot. It was the first time, I think, or maybe the second time she was running this tournament. Um, and I said yes, and I volunteered for it. And then after that weekend, I um, I felt really inspired. It, it kind of made me want to get back into it. And I was talking to, you know, a few people. And I just want to preface anyone who has, you know, if you're, anyone listens to this in the future and saw me cast that tournament where uh, my cast was dog shit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, it was trash. Um, and it was not very good. But um, 
I met a lot of great people through that opportunity, mm-hmm. um, including my friend Zada, who she used to work in the esports industry. And she was like, I've worked with casters before. And um, this was like my very first time meeting her. She just reached out in my DMs like after the tournament. And she was like, I've worked with a lot of amateur casters. And like, I genuinely think like you have potential to be good at this. And for you to only be starting out, I think that, you know, if you can learn to like elevate your craft and whatnot, you could make it um, farther than just doing volunteer positions and whatnot. So I'm not going to lie. She was genuinely probably my driving force that (laughs) changed my mind. Like that kind comment kind of ignited the spark in me and I, that made me want to like continue to pursue it. And right after that tournament, that's when the applications came out for that Game Changers caster training program in LA. Um, And I applied for it on a whim and got accepted. So I was kind of like, okay, I got accepted to this. This is a sign. I'm going to give this a shot. And I took this fall semester off and I quit my job. And I focused on casting like ever since that training program and whatnot. And I mean, I'm working part-time now, but uh, I definitely, I, I, I went all in. I, yeah, I totally <laughs> went all steep on it, like quitting my job as I got <laughs> accepted and whatever. That was kind of kind of crazy of me to do, but I was committed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's good because I recently saw you did a night tournament and then I believe I saw you in the NSG. So you are getting a lot of gigs, which is, great and all that means your branding is expanding of course so like did you expect to like get all these gigs at once were you like overwhelmed at first or you're like all right let me just organize myself and i think i can do it um i would definitely not say overwhelmed because if i look back uh i i actually haven't gotten like that that many gigs i've just gotten very very fortunate with the networking that i've done and the Mm -hmm. reputation that i think that i'm starting to build for myself as a caster um i was definitely surprised to have been accepted to a nerd street as early as i was but incredibly thankful for the opportunity and the fact that they were willing to give gompers and i a shot um and i think like from then on we kind of started proving ourselves and were then uh, getting offers for more gigs or when we reach out to people, if you can say that you've cast something like Fragadelphia, you know, for Nerd Street or whatever, uh, people are going to give you a bit more of a serious look. Um, so everything has kind of fallen into place. I mean, it's it's definitely a grind because with casting, there you do a lot of cold calling. You're reaching out to people to see if they have any events that they're hosting that they're looking to hire people for. Um, so I definitely would not say overwhelmed. Like things are not like falling into my lap or mm-hmm. a- anything yeah. like that. Um, there have definitely been times where I felt very fortunate, but I think that I'm also putting the work in and that people are noticing that. Um, and I just can only hope, you know, to get better and for it to keep, you know, rolling in and keep progressing um, as on-air talent. Hmm. Amazing to hear. Because um, casting is like something... I feel like in the esports industry is not shined upon as much because everyone just sees the pros, everyone sees the analysts and all that. I feel like mm-hmm. casting is just, I feel like it's kind of slept on. Yeah. <laughs> People don't understand the amount of work you guys put in because, I mean, of course, hopefully when lands come back and then there's audiences as well, like the, you guys have to go travel with the team, you guys have to go 
and like go to hotels, prepare prepare for yourselves, especially if it's a different country. You guys have like little jet lag, so that that's a big ass issue. And it's it's good to see that you guys are like act like ish because we I wanted to bring on casters and like so that's why I wanted to bring you on. I just wanted to say like what is because I generally don't know the preparation you guys go to, mm-hmm. so it's more just I want to learn as well more than whoever is uh, listening to this knows as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think preparation is a little bit different for everybody, but it it depends on the kind of event that you're doing. You know, if you're doing an event that's just like very puggy teams, uh, you're not going to have a lot of prep work to do because they usually aren't going to have like an event history or anything like that. But anything with a team that has the history of competing together, you have to go back and do the prep work for that. Usually you're looking at like the past few tournaments that they've done. You're going to see, okay, what have their map picks been? What are their team compositions like on their map picks? Um, You can even look at statistics. Not everybody likes to look at statistics. And I think that statistics have a very specific time and place to be brought up and don't actually like, they're not always, you know, a core part of the story unless you're looking at like, you know, you would bring up the stats of, you know, for example, in the women slash marginalized gender scene, Cat Triggered is the probably has I think has the top average combat score out of any of the women slash NB players within the scene right now. And in that case, you would obviously bring that up to be able to highlight Kat as a player. Um, but you're not gonna like go through the roster while you're casting and be like, okay, each person has like this combat score, each person has like these statistics, because it's not a pertinent part to the story. So you're kind of trying to pick and choose what elements you think are going to be important to the narrative. You know, mm-hmm. for example, if, you know, a team has played in a couple of tournaments recently and they've gotten to semifinals or they've gotten to grand finals but have lost out the past two times and then, you know, they're making it to grands once again, you can insert that into your narrative and be like, you know, these, this team is really itching to get this dub. Like they've made it so close every single time. And now they are going to really want to take this title home. Um, but yeah, so it, it definitely it differs, it differs from caster mm-hmm. to caster. And like, I think that as a, actually, no, I was going to say that as a color <laughs> caster, you have more research to do, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, it depends on the style of the play by play person as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they might want to also have all of that background information to be able to pad the story that they're trying to tell. Um, but yeah, I don't, did that make sense? Did that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You answered that perfectly. Thank you. Because, um, yeah, it, it's just good to see that different kind of people in esports, just especially because everyone just always wants to talk about the players. So seeing mm-hmm. that you guys put in just as much, not uh, of course, just as much as work and just you guys, it's just as important as when you go, when people see just pro players because they, don't see what pro players have to go through in order. So it's just good to shine light on what you guys have to go through and what you, preparations, because you know how Twitch chat is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think like one other thing that Twitch chat, like this is going to be super brief, I promise. Uh, one thing that Twitch chat tends to forget is the fact that pro play coordinated team play is so different from ranked games. Mm-hmm. And like, that's yep. how you were mentioning, like people will be like, Oh, your silver, your gold, or like whatever your rank is, you know, how are you knowledgeable enough to play this and kind of forget that like 
I mean, okay, and ranked mechanics also matter. I mean, you, mm-hmm. there are yeah, brainer yeah. gamers who can rank up and whatever, but mm-hmm. if you don't have the core mechanics in general, even though you know as much as you do about the game, that doesn't that's not going to translate always into your gameplay. So yeah. Do you think is like the craziest like the funniest thing someone has ever said about your casting in Twitch chat? That's hard. I try not to look back at Twitch chat. Um, I think that some people have Twitch chat open and look at it. Um, I personally only really look at it. I don't. I do not. It is not recommended, Um, (laughs) especially if you're someone who does not have thick skin. And even if you do have thick skin, it's generally not recommended to have Twitch chat open. A lot of casters will have it open regardless, but... uh, I feel like you always run the risk of somebody getting to your head like a stupid comment yeah. um, getting under your skin and then that's going to affect your performance for the rest of the cast and you want to avoid that at all costs. So I'll only look at chat if I'm VOD reviewing or like sometimes people will send me uh, snapshots of something that was said in chat. Nobody ever like obviously sends me something negative in the middle of my cast. Or, like, <laughs> someone like said something nice or whatever, but um. I would say that one of the funniest moments, though, me getting flamed in Twitch chat was during Fragadelphia. I had created my spreadsheet with all of the player information for every single team. I did my research on them. Um, I have it like the way I have it laid out is player ID, their agents that they normally play. And then a last column on the right is like general information where I'll usually put like, okay, this player is the IGL. This player likes to play like aggressively if I know that information about them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was for Vietnamese Curry, which was four players of Rise plus T1 Curry were playing on the same team for Frag. And I accidentally labeled in my spreadsheet. I made it at like 4 a.m., by the way, the (laughs) night before the cast. I made it. I finished the spreadsheet. So I said the wrong person as I labeled the wrong person as. IGL mm-hmm. for Rise. And I said that during cast. I said the wrong person's name. And mm-hmm. I was flamed in chat for it. They're like, oh, caster must like know some secret information that we don't. Like they changed IGLs, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it was like, it's an honest mistake. Um, I apologized in chat for it after. Everyone was like a good sport about it, but it's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it, it, it's a team where, you know, people follow Rise, but, you know, they know the team dynamics generally. And to, to be saying that kind of information about a team that is well known, um, obviously you're gonna get like shit for it. Yeah. Um. So I would say that that's probably the funniest thing that I've gotten. Otherwise, like most of the flaming is usually just about like stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah, stupid stuff. Like, oh, is this a women? A lot of people will come in and ask, "Is this a women's tournament?" I, I don't because get that. The, when the I casters are female, they'll be like, is this a women's tournament? Like, are all of the players today women slash marginalized yeah. genders? And I'm, <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> no, but okay. Because the, I forgot, I think it was Hypoc. Didn't she cast like most of VCT as well? Which everyone, I don't get why people do that. It's like, yeah, I mean, there. Ha- if you saw all of VCT last year, you saw there were women casters. So I, I see that as well when I'm looking at it. Even when I'm like, if you look at Game Changers or if you look at something mm-hmm. like Knights or SSG and you see so like a female caster, everyone's like, oh, women only league? I'm like, why does that gotta be? <laughs> like, is that gonna change the tournament? Like, what's the difference? That, that I don't get. I think yeah. a lot of people 
I feel like that's a reason a lot of people are just not used to esports or just gotten into. I think that's the people that are saying that. It's because if you think about it, esports is still a very young uh, field. Mm-hmm. So like something like the only titans that have been alive for that long is what CS:GO, Dota, and League. So they've only really been exposed to that. So like Valorant being the big titan coming in, it's uh, it, it brings in a lot of new uh, players and a lot of new people because a lot of people are young and I think they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. if you can agree with me or not, but I feel like they don't understand. Um, I think that's part of it, but I think also, like, it being such a male-dominated scene in general, there's, like, this overarching view that, you know, most professionals in this industry are going to be male-identifying, and um, especially with, like, obviously there's been female talent throughout, you know, live broadcasts for esports since day one um you know you have pansy you have shocks you have la tigress like there's so many well-known women who have you know succeeded and excelled in this industry um but it's like if you're not one of those few who they also still get slack for being women um if you're not part of like that select few, though, it's automatically you must be incompetent or, you, yeah, you know, right. only female casters can cast for the women's scene. Like they don't know anything about men's mm-hmm. esports or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like, literally the yeah. same game. Yeah. It's like literally the same game. Yeah. It's like nothing has changed. Everything's still the same. Well, mm-hmm. do you like how Riot, uh, especially with Valorant, do you like how they're really putting a shine on them? Um, uh, females, for example, they made the game changers, and also they're bringing a lot of more female casters. They're making the tournament like their main tournament VCT mm-hmm. a lot of mixed because as something like EG who made a mixed roster, and then uh, C9 you saw C9 White compete in VCT. So, do you like how they're really putting a shine on it compared to other esports that have I feel like haven't really been pressure or like exposing it a lot? Absolutely, because I think uh, the biggest drive, and I mean, this was the whole argument that was going on beforehand with all of like the thorn bullshit and whatever that oh was going God. on. That man is um, a menace to society. <laughs> he is that a menace to society. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that kind of like relates back to those kind of ideas. Um, and what a lot of people don't understand is the fact that we need a platform to elevate women um, to show that they can prove themselves at this high level. And, you know, there are some women who compete in VCT. There are female teams who are going to be competing in VCT and whatnot. Um, but y- you still need to have, you know, a separate platform that is a safe space for these individuals and these teams to grow mm-hmm. separately from, you know, the main event series. Because that's the only way that you're going to have these players comfortable to move into the event series. You want to highlight them as well to give them the recognition that they deserve. And it it allows for a bit of a smoother transition, I think, into a main event series, considering the fact that, like, I mean, there have been women competing in main events on co-ed teams in, like, across all titles. Um, But those women rarely get the recognition that they deserve or you'll also see like you know especially like years and years and years ago 
these women who are even trying to, they're like some of the best players in the world, regardless of gender. And they won't be given the same kinds of opportunities because they're women, regardless of, you know, their exceptional skill level. And that's why it's important to have these um, circuits that do highlight women and provide that safe space because you want to be able to give them a platform where they can learn and grow as a team because otherwise they aren't normally given the same kind of chances. And we see that that culture is changing in esports now. And I think the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, Riot Games and Valorant is pushing really hard to make it happen in Valorant itself is incredibly important and really paves the way for uh, other titles like you we did see like CSGO announcing you know their women's circuit and that would in my opinion that would not have happened without Valorant right or if it would have happened it wouldn't have happened this year yeah. You know, it wouldn't have happened as soon as they did. And then and, when they did that, Thorin, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I think I saw that because I was looking my, through my Twitter feed. I think he blocked every single person that even said his name, too. I saw. I think I saw your tweet. I think he blocked you as well, right? He blocked me, yeah. He blocked yeah. me. <laughs> I saw hilarious. that. I was like, everyone's like making that as a badge. It's like, oh, damn, got his ass. <laughs> yeah, I know. He blocked. I think he has like a filter on, like an auto filter, where it's like you mentioned, like, a specific any specific words that he's put within that filter you're auto blocked wait mm. really mm-hmm. he went that extensive i mean, has I mean maybe we should do that and get <laughs> by him. i can't say for sure but that's <laughs> the only thing that can explain him blocking such a mass number of people in such a short period of time and it literally yeah. being instant too it's like the second someone would put out a tweet even if it's not even response to his they would be like auto blocked because they used a, a certain words that were underneath that filter um, as like unacceptable. Yeah, because I saw him. Didn't I? I, I don't know if I'm like thinking right, but I think. Well, didn't he cast a Valorant tournament or something in the VCT? So like seeing him do that, then it's like, bro, you're not coming back to Valorant, or like you're gonna get a <laughs> lot of hate. So I don't know why someone like that, even especially a big, he's like huge in mm-hmm. CS:GO as well. So seeing that, him do that, it's like. You're just committing career suicide at that point. So it's, I think he is one of the one reasons was like, dude, you're, you're taking two steps back while we're taking forward. So it's, it's a lot, it's a lot what he did. And that was a big, that went on for like a whole week. I remember mm-hmm. that where everyone mm-hmm. was like, dude, like it's, it's not right. And he kept, so I saw one time he blocked someone unblock them, quote tweeted them, and then block them again. I was like, yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure that was Mel. From yeah, wait, it was, yeah, it was like, <laughs> that That's hilarious. I was like, that was the most petty shit I've ever seen. That's like, <laughs> yep. So it, it, it's good. All, it, but you, I think you are right. I think without the $500,000 uh, tournament with a CSGO, I think so would have not happened without Valorant because they, they definitely saw like shit. Valorant's definitely taking a lot of players from CSGO. And they're definitely getting bigger, so it, it's it's good to see that now mm-hmm. Valve, unfortunately, like they finally took it. It took them too long, I feel like, in my opinion, because there has always been female teams, but I feel like they just never get shined upon because mm-hmm. it, they've been gone for a while. So it, it it it's nice to see that because yeah, it, it, people don't understand women in esport plus games equals good. So <laughs> people don't understand that. Yeah, no, I I think. A big problem with all of that is the fact that, you know, a lot of people who've been in this industry and are used to seeing a very 
you know, men who are used to seeing a very male-dominated industry in esports, um, they feel like threatened by it. Meanwhile, you know, adding competitive scenes and elevating other competitive scenes just means more funding for esports, aka mm-hmm. better games, aka better circuits, more tournaments, yeah. more content. But they just see it as, oh, women game bad, and yeah. women gaming taking away from men gaming very bad and it's like there's no correlation yeah. whatsoever <laughs> it's blind yeah because you see like i think uh, xset c9 um tsm like they have males and female teams now so it's like you're you're just making one the branding gets bigger two the game gets bigger this the women in the playing in the esport either player coach analyst mm-hmm. there's getting they're getting exposure to it it's mm-hmm. just there is no negative there i don't yeah there's literally zero <laughs> negative impact if you bring more women into esports so that's why it's i still don't understand the people who are like thorin who just don't think that we're probably gonna get blocked by him if this episode comes out that'd be so <laughs> yo, imagine, you know yo, i'm tweeting this shit i was like yeah i want to see if thorin blocks us if he does it'd be crazy <laughs> that would that'd be tight <laughs> so it'd be nice yeah, to see it's it's crazy but it's just like oh. i don't know it's just incel like misogynistic mentality yeah. at that point i mean like with, I think I didn't, you know, pay attention to this uh, specifically. Like I didn't watch the live stream or whatever, but I had heard on Twitter that Semler held a live stream where he let people come on to discuss his opinions and all of the negative shit he was saying about the women's scene and how he thinks it's like detrimental and whatever. Um And as people started, like, poking holes in his arguments, he, like, doubled down, tripled down, and then brought up biology um, as a talking point. We're playing a video game. It's a video game. It's a video game. (laughs) (laughs) There's a... What? what? Yeah. Um, I cannot say that this is 100% true, but that's, like, the brief synopsis that I got from Twitter um about that situation so it's like it's people that hold that same mentality the misogynistic mentality where it's like men are better than women it's because genetics i i I don't get that it's because like i think they're trying to connect traditional sports like baseball basketball soccer and all that Mm -hmm. to esports which is like no esports it's a anybody no matter where you come from what's your background or any of that everyone's on the same playing field yes some people could be like more cracked than the others i get that right but doesn't mean that you guys can't play on the same playing field so th- that mm-hmm. i don't i think they keep connecting that to d- traditional and of course traditional does have some like a little difference but like in esports everyone's the same you're on the server everyone like there's no enhance or any of that yeah everyone's the same so w- it's still like confusing to me why people still disagree with that so it- it's I mean, I feel like just over time they'll get filtered out, and then we'll definitely everyone in the community will definitely be, you know, yeah, connected. Hopefully, one day, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see pro players, like male pro players, like really double down. It's like, hey, if you don't like women in esports, like, like don't be, uh, don't be a fan of us. Like, there should up. It's like if if you aren't with women in esports, like you are not a fan of me. So that's it's it's really good to see them like double down. It's like, hey. And it's they're representing a big brand as well. Even like someone like in TSM or all that. It's like, come on, it's it's not no negatives about it. So it's good to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, 
it, you know, a lot of the arguments like come down to stupid things like, oh, well, you know, on average, men have a higher reaction time than women, blah, blah, blah. But if you're going to use those kinds of arguments, then you might as well be like, oh, Hiko, you're too old to play now. Sorry, your reaction time must be yeah. lower because you're older. It's like, what is that logic? It's individual performance. You're not going to, you know, we're not choosing people for teams based off of, you know, the average reaction time of a whole gender. It's about the person themselves. So yeah. it, it's just faulty logic. So did you play any other games before Valorant? Or was Valorant your first, like, real FPS uh, Valorant's my first real FPS. Um, I've never played a tactical shooter before Valorant, but I grew up on video games. Like I, uh, being a kid, me growing up as like a toddler, I was sitting on my dad's lap watching him play Doom. And oh, I mean, my mom hated that. She hated that because she's just like, my three-year-old daughter's watching you play Doom right now. Like that's not age appropriate, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when I grew up, my dad got my brother and i i have four brothers now but at the time it was just the one um he got us a wii so you know i grew up playing like like p like some pc educational pc games and then the wii was like my first like console where i played games that were not to enhance my education uh, <laughs> like entertainment <laughs> yeah know. and like oh, yeah, yeah just for pure fun and entertainment um so i grew up mainly being like a nintendo gal um mm. i ended up getting like a gaming laptop in high school and i played smite which oh, i hate I that, game. that game <laughs> i, I, hate I, that I game. <laughs> who'd you play which lady do you play mostly in smite because i have like um, 400 hours in that game too as well i have let me check how many hours i have in this game actually i'm curious oh, no. i, I want to i'll compare I played a lot of it in high school. When Smite first came out, it had like a really big like following. Yeah, it was, Smite was cool when it came out. Yeah, because it was like the challenge to League and Dota. But then mm -hmm. over time, it's just dirty. <laughs> like they just didn't give a shit about the esports. So then it went downhill. <laughs> because yeah, yeah I was the esports for that game definitely died. It's still going on. It's st uh, it is still going on, yeah. But like <laughs> on its last legs. Yeah, it was like. It was like two two million dollars his first ever pro, uh, like tournament, and then after that, it didn't even get real close to it. Yeah, because it was crowdfunded as well. I remember that. Mm. <laughs> oh. Really, if I uninstalled the game, it's not going to tell me how many hours I had in it beforehand. That's some bull. Did you play <laughs> before? To check on Steam. Pardon? Did you play it before or after it came out on Steam? Because there was, it, it, I remember it was on. It was down. It was on its own launcher. Yeah, it was on its own yeah. launcher. Then it became on Steam. I played a couple years after it launched, but I, I played, I would say, like, uh, probably 25% of the time that I have on that game is on the original launcher, and then mm -hmm. I got it on Steam because yeah. it was just easier that way. Mm -hmm. But I I played mid lane and support in Smite. Okay. Um, I played it mostly because all of my friends played it, so the homies played it, and it was fun to play you know, in a group of people, you know, you yeah. just have a good time, you gel. But then, you know, ultimately, I don't really like MOBAs. It's not my yeah. kind of thing. Um, as the game itself, I did not like the game. I just played it to hang out with the homies. Yeah, um, but that fair. was technically like the first uh, competitive game that I really got into. And then, yeah, just like 
RPGs. Um, I'm still waiting for a good MMORPG to come out and play with play with the homies. I played Albion online for a bit, but mm. ended up falling off of that one. The grind for MMORPGs is just so intense yeah. Uh, yeah. that if you don't have the time to dedicate to it, it can be hard to kind of maintain. But um, since Valorant came out, I have barely touched any other games. Um, other than like a few variety games that I'll play with friends here and there, but it's definitely my main focus at the moment, yeah. at least. Is it, yeah. Is it work? Is it because of work or is it just because you have no interest in any other game? Um, I have interest in other games, which is why I'll play them if I have the right group of people that I want to play with at that time. But ultimately, my competitive nature has me addicted to Valorant like it's crack, and I don't get the same kind of uh, uh, rush. I don't even know yeah. what to say. It's rush yeah, um, yeah, as yeah. playing other games, like which kind of sucks because I actually do love like I love platformers and stuff like that. I find them so much fun to play, but I, I think especially with COVID is another kind of factor mm. to add in um the decrease like in-person socialization as an extrovert it's more um tempting to play you know this co-op competitive game with my friends as opposed to maybe the single sh- person games that i have enjoyed in the past but mm. um i will go back to them eventually i'm just i'm all in right now i guess yeah. <laughs> what what rank are you in Valorant? Um, I have not done my placements for this act, but I have peaked plat one. Um, but after I hit plat one, I didn't really grind the game much. Mm -hmm. Like I only got the past few acts. I only got like a couple triangles on my Dorito. And then this most recent one was probably the most I've played since hitting plat. And even then, like I only played comp like super inconsistently like once in a blue moon yeah would Mm -hmm. run it with friends kind of thing um but i haven't like grinded seriously since yeah what about you guys what ranks are you i peaked at diamond two okay nice like plat two but (laughs) i i haven't like played much ranked in the past like three months league right yeah i've been a grimy league player for the past yuck (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i agree I agree. <laughs> I I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> It'll be like we're playing, and it's like eleven p.m. He's like, "Yo, you want to play some yo, league?" Yo, I think it's league hour. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want to play league. But at the same time, I don't want to go against like rank demons and Valorant. So I'm like, fuck it, I'll play league. Who do, you, <laughs> who do you main in Valorant? I'm a flex player. Um, okay. I play. Shut, shut up. Almost every role for the most part, I would say. Um, I have been playing. It's funny. I used to be a Sentinel main when I first started out. And then now, I mean, I was always a flex. I could flex any role. But now I actually gravitate more towards like playing a duelist initiator role. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay. I don't trust people to entry onto site in flat and gold. I'm not going to lie. They're baiting you half the time. So I would rather just like full send, not obviously full send it in, but I'd rather, you know, entry in myself. Um, I've just been having more fun playing kind of more entry oriented agents, Um, Mm -hmm. specifically Raze. I've been leaning towards Raze a lot um, for many maps, depending on 
you know which one it is but yeah still a flex player or i'm comfortable in any role yeah what about you guys uh i mean <laughs> he thinks he's a flex player he thinks he's a flex player. <laughs> okay every month he's like yo i'm maining this this agent and then and then it, like he was at one point he's like i'm only playing silver and ranked and then the next month oh he's like God. i'm only playing sky i'm only playing ko so who are you on right now i'm on chamber right now so i'm, I'm a chamber okay. mate at the moment so that's why I, I, what we're laughing about it i i think most agent i've played right now is sova and then i played a lot of phoenix when he was meta but now he's like not good anymore unfortunately mm-hmm. i wish they buffed him please riot buff him i've been playing cypher since like day one yeah and that, he's that's okay. about it He's got like he's a grimy he, lurker. He's the he's the guy that has the one way cage. If you okay. the one, he's that player. So yeah. it's you got all the cipher setups, all oh, the yeah. annoying setups. Nice. Yeah. So it's uh it's good. Do you see well when it comes to like Valorant and then uh, because you know how agent is just a huge one of the abilities. Do you see like the balance changes? Like do you see them going towards the right step or do you see like do you disagree with a lot of balance changes that happen? Because they're like, compared to like League because of course it's Riot Games like. Every league player I talk to, they say they don't give a shit about their players, and they will they they they'll buff or nerf any champion they feel like. But in Valorant, mm-hmm. I feel like if enough people talk about it, they buff them. Like the Yoru, he got mm-hmm. like so much flack for being like a really bad agent right off the bat. But then now it's rumored to come out with he's, he's having like a massive rework. Mm-hmm. Do you see like do you think uh how do you think about that when you see like Riot's actually listening to their community? Um, I think Riot. Uh, I don't know too much about the league scene, so I can't really compare the two. But for Valorant, they seem to genuinely listen to the community. Um, not all of the time. Um, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee that it's every single time. But for yeah. the most part, for really important things, they do tend to listen. Um, the amount of time that it takes for a change to occur is up to their discretion, obviously. But I think the fact that, you know, like you see the re- your rework happening is, you know, a proven factor that they do want to like switch up the meta, keep things interesting for people. And I know that like, you know, with Neon, for example, everyone's complaining that Neon's like overpowered and that whatnot. I haven't like played her um, quite yet and I haven't faced her too frequently either so I don't really have an, an opinion um, yet I haven't analyzed it enough to form an opinion on um, how I feel about her kit but I think that in general you're usually better off um, coming out with a character design that is initially maybe at the very least a little bit overpowered than underwhelming like we saw with Yoru because the reason why it took so long for Yoru to get this rework is because people didn't play him and when you don't have your actual community play testing your agents um live in game like day to day because they're not um you know they're seen as having this weak kit they're not viable uh you're not going to get as much feedback like you can they're getting the feedback that he's trash um you know people being like oh you're shit tier agent blah 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 bad kit you know need a rework but Mm -hmm. you're not getting anything concrete meanwhile if you have overpowered agents and you have you know pro players tier two players players of all levels picking this agent because they're op and they feel like a must pick on teams um or they they feel interesting and fun to play because their kit is maybe slightly overpowered uh you actually get 
real feedback on it and people can touch points on I think that she's overpowered or he's overpowered or they're overpowered for this reason. I think that, you know, the kit can be worked reworked in this particular way because it seems just a little bit too strong of a counter to, you know, this other agent. Um, and I think that, you know, that that's kind of the way to go. And I kind of prefer when games go in that direction as far as their character designs and whatnot, because then at least you have the community playing them to be able to give you the feedback instead of just like just calling a character dog shit is not that's not helpful you know you gotta be specified you gotta specify why yeah (laughs) i just still i still can't forget the time where they said we don't have i think on quote we don't have the resources to fix yoru i have never seen a billion dollar company say that in a game that was hands down the hilarious i was like (laughs) is there a tweet um, no, it was a it was a discussion post. They it was I, on like Reddit or something. Yeah, they're like, we don't have the resources to uh, like to rework it. I'm like, there's no shot. You just like, said you that. A billion dollars. <laughs> You're what a billion dollar company, about? and you don't have the resources to buff one person. So it was funny when they said that. But I think they what they were trying to say is they just don't know how because there's mm-hmm. not enough data and all that. But it, yeah. it's just the wording they use. Everyone was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> So it, it, abilities it's, don't kill. <laughs> precise gunplay, by the way. Precise gunplay. Yes, precise uh, gunplay. Th- they're gonna fix that one day. One day I won't get running gunned in game. But how do you think the state of the game is right now? Like overall value, ranked, competitive, um, or, or like everything wise. How do you um, think this game of it is? I would say it's kind of hard because the new patch just rolled out to so, say to say the state of the, of the game currently in early season. Uh, with new patches and big changes that have come up and big changes that are still upcoming can be it can be a little bit difficult to touch base on um but i think the game is doing very well for you know now only being in its second year um and i think that's something that people don't really realize or really take note of is the fact that Valorant's only been out for like a year and a half now. It's not yeah, it's not cool. League that's been here for over 10 years. Um, there's a lot of things that are being ironed out. Uh, luckily, they do have, you know, uh, Riot Games has a monster of a game like League where, you know, they I'm sure they've learned from a lot of the mistakes that they made with that game and are now doing it better with this new title. Um, but I think it, it, it can be hard to say. I do like that the changes that are coming out though are pretty meta changing changes i mean with the buffs to the eco guns we're going to see an eco meta you know change coming out as far as you know over time i'm sure the buys are going to change um the aries is being nerfed i believe in patch 4.01 um i don't know what the nerf is exactly i didn't look at it but i heard that is it the fire rate yeah I'm not sure. I didn't see like what the nerf was going to be. I just saw someone post, I think, in one of the uh, Discord servers that I was in. Was that, uh, I believe it's the Knights tournament this upcoming weekend is going to be on patch 4.01. And someone was like, oh, goodbye, Aries, or something like that. So I didn't actually know what the Aries change was. I just knew that there's going to be like a slight nerf to it. Um, Because I do think that. It was a little overpowered for the price point that it was at. Um, And I think that, you know, if you either make like a site change to the firing rate, to the spin up or 
uh, if you increase the value of the gun in game uh, credits wise, it could easily be balanced out in that way. But I didn't think that, you know, the gun itself was too, too OP. Um, it, I just think it was way too cheap for the most part for the, the buff that it got, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, because now you see in your ranked games, whether you yeah. win or lose pistol round, <laughs> you're it's 10 a- Aries is yeah. on the field. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so, ridiculous. Yeah. Because I know right now VCT, I know EMEA VCT is going on right now. So they're mm-hmm. going on not 4.0 right now. They're going on the previous patch. So the Aries okay. buff is not played on the v- EMEA run. Yeah. So then you see that it's like, everyone's like, why no Aries? Why no Aries? Everyone's like, they're not playing on that patch because it was too soon. The, the patch note plus them. Because they were screaming a lot, so like you can't really like throw them on a patch. But I think starting like the playoff of the main stage, they are going to be played on four point oh one, just because uh, they haven't said anything about NA. It's a bit like we're like eight days away, and nothing has been said about NA VCT. So yeah. we'll see about that. But uh, I think we're almost about to wrap here. Is there anything closing? Uh, anything you want to say before we close it out here? You want to shout well, out anything? We also anything? well before we do that, we got our tradition question. Oh, we have a traditional question. We ask every okay. single guest. So I'm ready. Do you like, do you like boba? Like bubble tea? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, I do. Uh, okay. So What's what, your boba order? What is the go-to boba order? Ooh, that is a very hard question to answer because I actually two years ago made it my goal to try a different drink almost every single time i order from cha time specifically um that being one of the main bubble tea places in canada that's available i don't know if cha times in the states i actually can't remember but um so i try to order a different drink unless i'm craving a specific one i try to try something new on the menu every single time but otherwise Oh my god, picking one is really hard, guys. Right? Right? (laughs) It's really difficult. We Um, either had, every single person has told us either had, or like doesn't really, like just says a random order or doesn't try, doesn't really like like Gompers only drinks water, apparently. We had Gompers on before and she says, yeah, I don't drink bubble tea, I only drink water. I only drink water. (laughs) So it it was a good, it was, and then we had, I think we had wheels on, TSM uh, wheels. And he said, I'm old, I don't drink (laughs) bubble. We're like, dude, you're like 30. You're like 30, my guy, what do you mean you're old? So it's... What is the age correlation? (laughs) (laughs) So that's, so it's funny to see everyone's reaction or everyone's answer. So, I mean, please, this is a very serious question, so try to take it as serious as possible. Um, okay. If I had to narrow it down to my top three choices, three being I the would worst, say, one being the best. Okay. Um, I would put Taro on two in the middle. Okay. okay. That would be my second. My good choice. Oh, what's it called? I just need to make sure that my I'm saying the right. All right, because we, I might try to order that because I, I usually, he always gets almond milk tea every single time. Okay. So we try to, I mean, I mostly get Thai milk tea. I think this one I have chai milk tea this time. So, because we get it from uh, Kung Fu tea from the place we get. I don't know if you guys have Kung Fu tea in Canada. I have heard of Kung Fu tea. I think we have it only in very 
particular cities because it's mm-hmm. probably U.S. based. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that like only like big cities would really um, like Toronto and stuff like that. I think there is a Kung Fu tea there. Um, I don't know if there is one in Ottawa, but I just want to make sure. I think my first choice is probably either Hokkaido milk tea or um, I think it's I think it's just Hokkaido milk tea. Wait, I'm going to Google it really quickly because Take I want to make sure. You know, obviously very serious. The last very question serious I question. need to our make fans sure that be, I'm on top of everything. Our fans will be very biased depending on your answer. So it's a very serious question. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm just going to get angry DMs. This was the wrong decision. I can't How believe dare it. you? Cancelled. <laughs> Matcha milk tea is the best. God, you even put in your top three. <laughs> matcha is so good, but it's hit or miss depending on where you go because they have to have good matcha. Oh, yeah, they don't sure. have good matcha. It's that's GGS. Yeah. Um. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, I would say that top is either like number one would either be Hokkaido milk tea or it would be like a roasted milk tea because I like the. I don't have either of you had a roasted milk tea before. I don't think so. No. Um, Roasted milk teas are usually made with, uh, you know, you either have you have the tea base which is either green or black, and there's usually like roasted rice puffs. In it and it gives this really toasty kind of aroma. Um, mm. and I don't know, I enjoy that. It's like very warm, and I don't know, I just call it toasty tasting, which is kind of weird, but it genuinely tastes like toasty, like that roasted, smoky-ish okay. yeah. kind of flavor. Um, so that would be my number one. And then third is probably winter melon, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's what I have right now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a good one. It was, good right. it was hard. Okay. Anything you want to plug in before we end it off here? Like your Twitch, Twitter? Um. Yeah. Uh. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you guys so much for having me on tonight. It was a lot of fun. And I really thank appreciate the on. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And also for being so accommodating with all of my scheduling changes. And then, <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> as far as my socials go, you can follow me at on Twitter, which is Spicy Pyro, spicy with two Ys. And then um, same thing on Twitch. I am going to try and get back into streaming. But yeah. That would be, I would say, everything. And just thank you for everybody who's kind of supported me along this journey. Shout out to my partner, Phil. Uh, <laughs> always being the goat, too. But yeah. All right, guys. All We're right. going to end it here. Love you guys. Bye-bye.